Hi, and welcome to the Group Tour and Travel Podcast by Tour Tools, a podcast by and for tour operators and all things that pertain to the tour and travel industry. We're talking to experienced tour operators and industry insiders about how to better manage your operation and deal with common business challenges. Tour Tools software was originally built by a seasoned tour operator, and it's the most comprehensive customizable software available to tour operators for back office ops and online booking. I'm Erin Preston, owner of Tour Tools, and I'm excited to kick off episode four today with Pete Pantuso, president and CEO of the American Bus Association, affectionately known to us long-term members and industry insiders by the acronym ABA. It's North America's leading and largest motor coach tour and travel association, representing 3,800 members and 65% of all motor coaches on the road. Pete brings an amazing 40 years of experience in association work at all levels to our podcast today. The American Bus Association serves a once thriving industry that provided more than 600 million passenger trips annually on charters, tours, scheduled service, and shuttles. Today, the industry has been decimated by COVID-19 with nearly 2 million motor coach group tour and travel employees unemployed. Listen in as our host, Amy Spear of Southern Escape Tours, talks to Pete about what's happening at APA, the state of the industry, and the many challenges operators are facing due to the impact of COVID-19. Thanks for joining us. Welcome Pete Pantuso, President and CEO of the American Bus Association, to this month's Group Tour and Travel Tour Tools podcast. Pete, it is an honor to have you joining us today. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Amy. I'm excited to talk to you and always excited to talk about what's going on in the tour and travel industry. Well, thank you again for joining us. And, you know, Pete, most of our listeners are, are, are folks who are already familiar with the American Bus Association. But for those folks listening who may not know about ABA, can you give a brief overview of the American Bus Association? Sure. The, the American Bus Association is based here in Washington, D.C., where I am. We've been around for well over 90 years. Uh, we represent the, uh, the bus industry, tour operators, the travel industry, and suppliers to the industry. So in total, we've got in round numbers about 8,000, I'm sorry, about 4,000 members, which we had 8,000. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we, we have a, uh, an annual marketplace. So I know a lot of your listeners attend every single year. Uh, we have our publications, which are Destination Magazine. We have our Motor Coach Marketer. We have a very active uh, website and, and put out a lot of social media to educate and provide information to the industry. Uh, we, uh, we do a lot of educational programs. Uh, we do a lot of webinars. In fact, mm -hmm. this year we've done over 100 webinars wow. already with, uh, with, I think, a couple more to go before the end of the year. So it's a pretty busy year. But uh, I've been with the association for over 20 years, and, uh, and we've got a great team here to represent everyone in the industry. So if you don't know about us, give us a call. We'll, we'll tell you a little bit more about what we do. Yes, yes. Well, I know I just really am, um, as a member of ABA, as a tour operator member, it is just invaluable to us, all of these resources that, that you provide. And so, you know, Pete, many of our listeners, they may not realize that motor coach travel is not just about leisure travel. So can you share about some of the other vital ways that motor coaches are used in, in America's economy? 
I can. And I think a lot of people don't realize how large the motor coach industry is, even even those who are in the business. And you know, when I look at the industry, first of all, I, I see it as almost rivaling the airlines. We provide about 600 million passenger trips every single year. Mm-hmm. Put it in perspective, the airlines do about 700 million. Wow. Amtrak, uh, our train system here in the U.S., does about 30 million. So we do 20 times more in the motor coach industry than Amtrak does almost as much as the airlines and and the industry really falls into what I would call three major buckets. Mm -hmm. We've got the charter tour industry that's mostly leisure travel. Uh, It's the biggest segment providing most of the trips and and most of the companies, but we've also got commuter operations and those in a lot of cases are bringing people from the suburbs or exurbs into the city to work every single day. But in other parts of the country, it's uh, it's bringing people into rural locations to work. For example, right. you know, in Elko, Nevada, there's mining operations and their bus companies. They're constantly running hundreds and hundreds of employees into the mines every single day. Uh, we see that in forest operations and, and other operations all over the all over the United States. And then the third you know, bucket of travel for motor coach is the scheduled service. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greyhound, Megabus, other companies that go from city to city or rural towns to urban areas. But in all told, it's about 3,000 companies around the country operating about 36,000 buses, but again, moving almost 600 million passengers. Right, right. That's amazing. Well, and, you know, Pete, a fact that I love to share with people that kind of blows their mind is that motor coach travel is the greenest way to travel. And it's also, as we know, it's a great affordable value when you compare it to Amtrak or to the airlines or cruises. So can you talk a little bit about those benefits of motor coach travel? Yeah, I sure can. And you're right. People don't think about the green bus. You know, they think about the bus of 40 years ago. And the new engines and the new technology, some of which was mandated uh, by the government years and years ago, mm-hmm. really means that in a lot of places, the air coming out of the bus is cleaner than the air going into the bus. We could be a, a big filtering system for a lot of cities if we just, you know, have more buses running around. Right. Um, some, some information that people can get off of our website. Our website is buses.org, B-U-S-E-S dot O-R-G. And under our foundation and under research within the foundation tabs, you can look at some of the research that we've done. Um, there's a group called the Union of Concerned Scientists. They're an independent body. They came out with a study, oh, probably four or five years ago, that showed that motor coach travel, no matter how many people, no matter how far, was the most environmentally friendly way to travel of any other motorized form of transportation. And then we took data from the Environmental Protection Agency and compared every other mode of travel to motor coach travel. And again, it came out to be the greenest form of transportation using that federal data. So it's a it's a great way, a very safe way to travel. And as, as you mentioned, it's an affordable way to travel. You've got 50 people on a bus, you know, mm-hmm. basically sharing the cost of that that transportation, you know, a lot of times it, it ends up uh, uh, being somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 or $25 a day per person all day, which is a pretty, pretty cheap way to travel. If I take right. a bus from here to New York, for example, um, a lot of times I can get a ticket that's in the 20 to $30 range. Or if I get on the right bus and make my reservation early enough, the first ticket sometimes is a dollar. That's so amazing. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty hard to beat. 
Exactly, exactly. Well, um, I appreciate you sharing those benefits. Well, and of course, you know, switching gears a little bit, the, the thing that's on every listener's mind right now is, of course, COVID and COVID recovery. So I'd love, you know, for you to talk a little bit about how the travel industry has been impacted by COVID-19. And, you know, none of us expected this time last year, none of us expected 2020 to be the year of a pandemic. So I'd love for you to just talk about, you know, the state of the industry. Yeah, you know, we had our uh, we had our convention, as you're well aware, in, in January in Omaha. Mm-hmm. And everybody was excited about 2020. Yes. Everybody was for it. They had such a great 2019. Right. The business was, was at full capacity. Mm-hmm. People were gearing up this year and, and as you said you know then march comes and right. it's a whole different world today mm-hmm. um you know i think important things to know are from the bus industry and group travel perspective i think we've been hit harder than any other segment or almost any other segment in the economy yes uh, travel certainly suffered you know restaurants have suffered and everybody is has certainly taken a hit during covid but some of the businesses are coming back i mean mm-hmm. i know the restaurants that are in my neighborhood in Washington, you know, are, are starting to come back. They were serving first to 50% capacity. A lot of them offered outside seating. And so, well, it's not, you know, where they want to be, it's better than some. Right. In the bus industry right now and, and group travel, uh, I can tell you a lot of bus companies are operating at less than 10% of what they did in 2019. Yeah. And you can't just maintain or operate a company very, very long if you're only bringing in 10 cents on the dollar, especially when you've got motor coaches that you recently paid 500 or $600,000 for that are sitting on your lot. Those payments don't go away. The insurance doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. Their fixed costs are very, very high. Mm -hmm. So the the industry has taken it on the, on the chin as again, as has all travel industry, but I think our segment has taken it worse than anybody else as I'm seeing hotels and, restaurants and some other components of travel begin to come back a little bit. Um, One of the things that I would tell you we've been doing, we've been working on a lot for the Mm -hmm. last nine months, is trying to get some help for the industry from from the federal government. Right. Um, There really hasn't been a stimulus bill with any major funding moving through Congress since March when the CARES Act passed. Uh, It looks like as we sit here today and talk that in the next couple of days, Congress is going to approve another another stimulus package. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's a little bit of money in there for the bus industry, a few billion dollars, not nearly enough. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, we're going to be thanking Congress for what they've done, and we're going to be going back and asking for more from the 1st of January. So, uh, you know, I see the industry coming back, but I see slow recovery, mm-hmm. but I definitely see it coming back because people want to travel, want to be out there. Right, right. And, you know, Pete, I've heard you share the startling statistic that 40 to 50 percent of the motor coach industry is going to be out of business within just a few weeks without this assistance from Congress. So um, we just appreciate so much all that that you personally and that ABA have been doing to, um, you know, to pound the pavement with Congress to let them know how important this industry is. So thank you for that. Well, we appreciate it. I was just uh, testifying yesterday before Congress, before one of the Senate Commerce subcommittees, and and we were making our case one more time as this final pushes on to come up with a, a stimulus bill for the country. And I think we were we were well received. The, Great. the hearing was 
talking also about stages and entertainment venues, but they wanted to include the bus in there because we obviously move entertainers around. As right. You well know. Right. Well, we've got a lot of companies down the Nashville area that do that. Yeah. And then we also bring fans to, to events and venues. So we're an important part of that piece of the economy. And it was also an opportunity to talk more broadly about what's going on in our segment of the industry. That's wonderful. Well, we will certainly be keeping our fingers crossed and our prayers going for for Congress to hear that and and to respond. So, um, well, and I know too, Pete. Recently, um, ABA has sought high priority COVID nineteen vaccine access for motor coach drivers. So, can you talk a little bit about the importance of that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as we as we begin to think about next steps, right, we've all been through a disastrous 2020, but there is going to be a recovery. And a couple of things I'll, I'll mention, we, uh, we back in the summer, back in June of this year, uh, worked with members from every segment of the industry and began mm-hmm. to think about uh, recovery. We had this recovery task force that we developed. We put together protocols because we we wanted to make sure the industry starts thinking about when people come back, how do we assure them that it's a safe way to travel? Right. How do we give them the confidence that they're going to get on the bus and travel with the group again? And so those protocols were put out for all of the industry to, to utilize uh, on, on how to clean the bus, disinfect the bus, what kinds of materials to use, how to communicate with your customer, et cetera. So that was a big, big part uh, of what we did. Um, you know, the other thing we think of going forward is just, you know, how to how to reassure. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things you just mentioned is we need to get our, our bus drivers uh, vaccinated as mm-hmm. soon as possible. So we reached out to the CDC just last week, sent them a letter and said, listen, you know, transportation providers, motor coach specifically, need to be near the top of the list. Obviously, first responders. Um, hospital workers and, and healthcare providers, uh, seniors, nursing homes are, are at the very, very top of the list. Right. But then as you start, you know, coming down into the population, you know, who else should be getting priority? And we definitely think transportation providers, because they come in contact with so many people. I mean, exactly. You know, 50 people on a bus that that driver is exposed to or, yes. or exposed him or herself to mm-hmm. um, in bus environments, you know, a scheduled bus, you might have hundreds of people getting on because you've got people on and off all at every single stop. So we want to make sure that, that our workers uh, are a priority. Uh, the Homeland Security uh, Homeland Security Department declared a while ago back in the summer that bus drivers, buses were an essential part of our transportation system. Yes. So to that extent, because they are essential, we want to make sure we, we get them the vaccines as soon as possible. Absolutely. And and you mentioned just a minute ago about some of the new safety protocol for the industry. And I know that ABA is always at the forefront of safety protocol. And and um, and that's so important and such an important part of, of ABA. So can you talk a little bit about those safety and cleanliness standards that are coming out of all of this? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was one of the reasons that we, uh, you know, that we took this step because there wasn't really anything that was coming out from the federal government. There wasn't any kind of a, uh, a standard or protocol coming out from the federal government. Everybody mm-hmm. was kind of letting, you know, each segment of the industry do their own thing. And we said, geez, you know, we've got to, we've got to help at, l- at least from the industry's perspective, 
kind of identify this. So we put this recovery toolkit together and, and we began to talk about the things that need to be done to assure the customer not only is going to be safe, but also to assure that they're going to feel comfortable coming back on. So, you know, talking about social distancing, I mean, how many people can you put on a bus? Right. You know, probably 25 is, is the number. You can stagger seat them. The first one's on the outside row, the next one's on the inside. Mm -hmm. So you can get as much space as possible. Um, and how do you clean the bus? What are the different touch points on a bus? Mm -hmm. um, you know, touch the railing, the handle, the seat backs, the overhead. You know, those are things that should be a priority in terms of cleanliness um, as well and, and cleaning those. How often do you clean them? Well, maybe, you know, once a day or multiple times a day, depending on the type of service that you're offering. Um, what kinds of, of uh, uh, enhancements or, or, or cleanliness do they need to have on the bus? Well, you know, should we have uh, should we have sanitizers in multiple locations on the bus? Everybody certainly should wear a mask. You know, those are all the kinds of things we, we began to look at. And it obviously doesn't cover everything, but those are the kinds of things we wanted to get people to start thinking about, talking about. And so initially they put together kind of a 10 point, you know, what are the high 10 point touch areas? And then beyond that, they looked at the really 32 places on that bus that you've got to be thinking about that end up getting touched. Wow. And then, you know, again, what should be the, uh, the responsibility of the company in terms of how many times should you clean it? And, and, and the other part of it is, what are the other places that you're taking that bus? You've got a tour, you're picking the people up, you go to a restaurant, you go into a, let's say a museum, maybe they're staying in a hotel. What are the protocols at every one of those locations? And how do you communicate that back to your customer right. so that they feel safe? Not just safe about being on the bus, but safe about the entire trip and everything, every place they come in contact with. Exactly. It's just um, it's so many different things to navigate. And we just appreciate ABA being at the forefront of that, Pete. That's that's an, an, a, a, just a monumental task that you and your team have. <laughs> well, and, you know, a lot of our companies have taken it, you know, steps further. Uh, I mean, they're doing, uh, you know, they're checking temperatures when people get on the bus. Uh, they're asking, obviously, if they've had you know, any history or experiences where they've been ill or around people that have been ill. Um, they're also looking at, you know, the other part of it is what do you do when someone gets sick in the middle of a trip? Right. On a three day trip and they get sick on day two. Mm -hmm. What do you do with all the passengers? What do you do with that individual? Um, you know, and what do you do when the bus comes back? I mean, having, you know, how do you right. monitor all of this in return so that if need be, I mean, you go back and track, you know, where you were and who the people came in contact with. So um, it's, it's a lot. And obviously, you know, it's, it's left up to the discretion of the individual bus or tour operator, how, how they move forward. But, but we think that following these protocols will certainly help not only ensure the safety of the customer, but give those customers confidence that it's okay to travel again as groups. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, in that same vein, for, for the group leaders that we have listening and individual travelers who are ready to get back out there and travel again, what are the some of the additional benefits of using ABA motor coach members and ABA tour operator members for their trip planning? Well, number one, I think they are the best motor coach and tour operators in the country because they do belong to the association. But more, more importantly, um, you know, a lot of these companies have been around for a long, long time. I mean, many of our ABA operators, uh, both both tour operators and coach operators, 
have been around for decades. Some of them are, you know, second, third generation companies. Right. Um, you know, we'll try to provide the resources and education and tools to them so that they do well on the motor coach side specifically. Um, we look at all of our motor coach operators every 90 days and compare their safety record um, to the federal guidelines, the federal records. That's amazing. And, and there are basically three, three categories that the federal government puts people into. Number one, either it's satisfactory, mm -hmm. which is, sounds like a C grade, but it's actually the top grade from the government. Um, or they're conditional, which means they've got some issues, uh, but they can still run or they're out of service. And so we look at their records in the federal database every 90 days. If they're if they're out of service, we we ask them to leave the association. In fact, we don't ask them; we just take them out. Um, if they are conditional, kind of the middle grade, that means they've got got some challenges. We go back and we talk to them and we give them 90 days to get their record updated and move up in into the satisfactory uh, classification. And if they're satisfactory, obviously we note that. So. We want to make sure if there's an operator that is not operating properly, uh, according to federal standards, that we that we move them out of the association. And we've we've asked dozens over the last uh, ten years to, to leave whenever we wow. find out that they're not not obliging by the law or following the law or have a lot of safety issues. Then we mm -hmm. ask them to leave the association until they can get there. Maybe they need to get their business back on track again. Um, but again, you know, we've got a great, great group of operators, both tour operators and coach operators. Collectively, we've got over a thousand uh, coach and tour operators in the association. That's amazing. And and like you said, they really are the cream of the crop. So, um, you know, and, and as we move into 2021, now that, you know, 2021 is just a, a couple of weeks away, what new trends and changes are you seeing as you talk to the, all your members, Pete? What are you seeing? What, what do you foresee for 2021? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, um, what I'm seeing right now is everybody everybody trying to just figure out what the next steps are but i'm also seeing a lot of operators you know really starting to plan for, mm -hmm. for the next wave because they know they know that travel is coming back i mean i've seen right some, some reports that economists have put out i saw a wall street analyst report uh, a couple of weeks ago and they all talk about this pent-up demand for travel mm -hmm. and so everybody i think should be if they're not already as many of our folks are are preparing for that. Right. Um, they're getting ready for it because they know what's coming. They're also, you know, working with their customers to make sure that their customers, as we talked about, feel comfortable about coming back in, in group travel. Um, they're looking for new and different destinations. I'm talking to a lot of operators who are telling me that, you know, some of their customers don't want to go to big cities right now. Right. Uh, only because of concern of being exposed to a lot more people, which, mm -hmm. you know, may or may not reality but in doing that they want to make sure that they're offering other places to go and so some of the secondary cities some some destinations that maybe weren't at the top of the radar are starting to pick up a lot of momentum all of a sudden i was i was down in in myrtle beach a, a while ago and and they were you know they were they were doing fairly well at that time mm -hmm. um i talked to folks up in niagara falls who were telling me that their weekends they're almost sold out as wow looking for places to get away right um so that kind of activity and like i said the second and, and third tier cities where where operators are 
creating opportunities for people to travel, maybe some different destinations where, where things aren't as crowded and they feel a little more comfortable. That's great. Well, and you know, Pete, just, we have time for just one more question. And that my question to you is, as you mentioned before, at, at this point, the motor coach industry has yet to receive any funding from Congress for such a vital industry um, for, for all of us but and for and for the overall economy. So what are some things that our listeners can do to help the motor coach industry now and in January and, and as we go forward? Well, absolutely. And, and this the industry is, you know, we always talk about it being one big family and it right. certainly has been. Everybody's pulled together. They've been reading our materials. I'm getting notes from people every single day saying, you know, I reached out to my congressman or my senator. I sent him a note. I told him how important it was to my business or to our community. Um, they're contacting their legislators and letting them know that this is an industry that needs some help, uh, yes. travel and, and motor coach specifically. And and they, they've just done an amazing job of all being so supportive of one another, which is why, you know, I'm pretty confident that by the end of end of the week, we're going to see some funding Great. for the industry. It's not going to be nearly enough. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we know that already. Um, we, we believe back in March when we started working on this, that motor coach industry alone would probably need between 10 and 15 billion dollars mm -hmm. to survive we're probably only going to see a, a, a fraction of that so um we're very grateful for what congress has done we've had some great champions in the in the senate and in the house in fact we had two bills that we were working with our sponsors on that were circulating in both bodies and and on those two bills we got 60 sponsors in the senate in fact we picked up another sponsor today in the last oh, wow. Congress, and we had 271 sponsors in the House. So we had over 60% wow. of, of Congress sign on to these bills, That's great. And, uh, which is why I think we're, we're going to get some traction in the next stimulus bill. But as I said, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. uh, we're we're going to be coming back to Congress um, in January because we know that there's going to be another stimulus bill sometime next year mm -hmm. and we're going to be asking for more help so we really need everybody to to help again contact their legislators and say yep we, we still need to help this industry we appreciate everything that congress has done but, but we need to help them out a little bit more to get over the hump yes yes well pete thank you so much for your time today i know your schedule is so busy and it, it just is so uh, wonderful we just feel so honored that you've been able to spend some time with us today and we really appreciate all your valuable answers and your knowledge and, and updates on the state of the industry and we just thank you so much for joining us today well i i thank you for including me in in the show and it's great to great to talk to you i can't tell you how good it is to hear your voice and uh, you know, this time of year i'm just so grateful that we've, we've just about made it through the year number yes. one and, and, and so thankful that, you know, what I see coming down the road in the next 18 to 24 to 48 months in terms of the, the, the opportunities for this industry are just going to be huge. It's been tough getting through to this point, but uh, it's going to be great going forward. Well, Pete, thank you so much. And, you know, Tour Tools, we are a proud member of ABA and we look forward to yeah. many more years of partnership, Pete. <laughs> And we will see you in June at Marketplace. Yes, we will be there. So thank you, Pete. And also a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in today to our group tour and travel podcast by Tour Tools.